Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to those of you out there in the body of Christ and to those of you who are not. The purpose and intention of this podcast, of every video we do on the, on the, with the ministry, on the, the different outlets that we have and platforms is so that you would get saved, so that you would be drawn closer to Christ. Um, if you don't know who I am, this is Brother Nelson. This is Praise Jesus Christ Ministries. We want you to praise Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to pray and we're going to be reading the Bible in today's episode of our podcast. We're going to be reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 1. It's been a while, but we're back. We hope you pull out your Bible and join us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, please forgive us for our sins. Wash us in your holy blood, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Guide us as we read this word today. Give us a spirit of understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Lord, may you provide the increase and hide this word in our hearts. Help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers and to apply your word and walk in the fear of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So this is 2 Chronicles chapter 1. I'm reading from the King James Version, the authorized version. If you have a different Bible version, that's okay. It's all love. As long as you generally understand what this chapter is saying that's what matters amen and solomon the son of david was strengthened in his kingdom and the lord his god was with him and magnified him exceedingly when you're with god god is going to magnify you why for his glory his honor his praise it's so that you can't say that you're self-made that does not exist in the kingdom of god amen The world says that we're not self-made, we're God-made for his glory, right? Verse 2, then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds and to the judges and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. Notice that there's two things in verse number two and verse number three. In verse number two, this this king, Solomon, like any leader, even when you look at it today, when you look at leadership and ministry, when you address a congregation, when you address uh, people individually by families as well, You go to the fathers. You go to the head of the household. It's out of respect for the order of God. Me as a man of God, as a minister, if I'm ministering to a couple, yes, I show respect and love to both the husband and the wife, but I have to address the husband. God addressed Adam. Amen? Uh, Look at verse number three. They went to the high place. A lot of the times when you read the Bible, and it mentions the high places or the high place. You have a negative context to that because in the occult and various branches of witchcraft in many pagan religions, they go to what's called the high places. They go to mountains. They go to high elevated places on earth and they do human and animal uh, sacrifices and they do rituals uh, and all types of different things, dancing and chanting and singing. But where do you think they got this from? You see, They got this from those who serve the living God, because in the Bible, 
it's very clear that there's three heavens. You have the third heaven. It's, it's, it's a different dimension. This is where God dwells. This is Zion. Zion has multiple meanings. Then you have the second heaven. The second heaven, it could be outer space. It could be where principalities are, thrones, powers, dominions. You're, you're talking about holy angels and fallen angels having warfare. And this goes very deep. Now, when you as a Christian, when you enter into the high place in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, you're entering into the Holy of Holies figuratively, symbolically. This is not literal. We don't have the tabernacle today. We don't have the temple today. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is a temple in itself, but even furthermore, God lives inside of you and you live inside of him. You see, everything in the Old Testament was a foreshadow of things to come in the Messiah, even the vessels, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle. This tabernacle was a tent that they used to pitch where God would visit them. And he would visit them on the mercy seat, on the Ark of the Covenant. Later on, these, these things are not mentioned in Scripture because, again, it's a foreshadow of things to come. Now, in today's society, you have people like uh, in Ethiopia. They claim to have the Ark of the Covenant and different things like this. There's an archaeologist who died, uh, Ron Wyatt. You can look him up. He said he found the Ark of the Covenant and he found the blood of Christ on it under Golgotha in the actual uh, like rocks in, inside the earth. And he never changed his statement before he died. They say he took that blood and he went to a lab and, and they proved it that it was alive and it had an extra chromosome. Now, we don't I don't know. I wasn't there. But what we do know is the Bible is not a lie. Amen. And you have to understand when you're reading this. Just because you see high places, it's not talking about the occult. Sometimes it can, but we see they went to the high place in the context of this chapter because they went to an elevated place. They went, they went to a place to honor the living God, not to blaspheme the living God, not to communicate with the host of heaven, referring to fallen angels and, and demons or whatever. Let's keep reading. Um Verse four, but the ark of God had David brought up from Kerjath Jeraim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Now, when it says he offered a thousand burnt offerings, he could have literally killed a thousand different animals. Um, more than more than likely, that's possibly what happened. Um, they used to offer they would offer up living animals or if people were poor. Sometimes they would they would give their agriculture and whatnot. And like a dove, as you read, you know, earlier on in the law of Moses and whatnot. Um, but either way, this is a reminder to you that uh, of something that was figurative. It's symbolic of, of what's to come. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The shedding of the blood of animals, it, it didn't fully deal with the sin of Israel, with the sin of people. This is why the high priest had to go once a year to offer up an animal and by faith lay hands on that animal and 
impart the sins of the nation upon that animal. But you see, this didn't fully deal with his personal sin and and the sin of, of, of the nation um, for the next year. You know, it was just for the previous year. Um, you have to understand this was pointing of things to come in Christ. Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. He sacrificed himself one time, once for all humanity throughout all time. Whether you were born in 1969, 2010, 1997, 1911, 1862, 1492, whatever, Jesus died for you. And his sacrifice counts for you. Amen. Look at uh, verse 7. And in that night did God appear unto Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give unto you. Notice the order. You make a sacrifice. Well pleasing unto the Lord, he appears unto you. Now that still applies to today. You might make a sacrifice. You might praise and worship and and, and go deep in, in, into reading his word and spending time with him, having fellowship with the Holy Ghost. You might fast and turn over your plate and make that sacrifice. You might make the ultimate sacrifice of turning from your life of sin, repenting and believing in the gospel and giving your life to the Lord. And he would, um, as a result, uh, visit you. It could be in a vision, a dream audibly, but it would be in your life. And there would be a transformative response. You would not be the same person that you were. All things become new. You become a new creation. Um, uh, you become a new creation. Um, verse 8. And Solomon said to God, You have showed great mercy unto David my father, and have made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let your promise unto David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now, we know originally God chose Israel from the New Testament because they were a small group of people. They were not a people who were um, able to say, you know, we, we've accomplished things because of our number. But God um, made them multiply upon the face of the earth when they were in bondage in Egypt. And um, and they began, began to outnumber the Egyptians and whatnot. And this is to encourage you of the fact that you may feel like you're alone but God's people, his remnant is all over the earth. It's not just you, brother. It's not just you, sister. It's not just the, the, the church of your city. It's not just your particular ministry. Uh, this, these, these are not gangs. You're not against other ministries. If you're all in the body of Christ, we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we are to be in unity in the truth. We are not to unite with other false religions with lies of a different Jesus or a different gospel. But you should know that God is king over all the people of the earth. And, and God uh, makes you, if you are in ministry, if you are in the leadership of ministry and fivefold ministry, he's made you a leader over, over other people, not to lord over them, but to guide them, to build them up, to encourage them, to edify them. But ultimately, your walk is your walk and their walk is their walk. You can't force someone to live holy. You cannot force them to obey the Lord. Um, you try your best, but don't be burdened. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be discouraged. Amen. Verse 10. 
Look at, look at what Solomon asked God for. This is so amazing. He says, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this thy people that is so great. And God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of your enemies, neither yet have asked a long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you. You see, when you read, uh, when you when you were a child, if, you, if you're American, you, you you saw movies like Aladdin, where he had a genie. You know, you you seen TV shows where people ask genie for thing, genies for things. This is witchcraft. This is occult. Uh, genies are actually mentioned in Islam, which is a false religion. A, a genie is a type of demon, uh, but in real life. You give your petition, your supplication. You ask things of the living God. You don't got to rub a lamp. You see, you got to repent. You give him your life. You give him your petition, your supplication. He cares for you. He loves you. He, your prayers are answered. They're going to be answered. It's not always a yes, though, because God is not a genie and God is not a puppet. He's God. He's your creator. He has your best interest at heart. You see, when he knows your motives for what you're asking. If you ask something, with a wrong motive, a wrong intention in your heart, why would he give it to you to lead you to your own self-destruction? You know who gives you things to lead you to your own self-destruction? The devil. The devil gives people a wealth. We know this because the devil tried to tempt Christ in the wilderness and offer him the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. It, the devil ain't doing nothing new. He does this for people in Freemasonry, in the Illuminati. He does this for people in the world. He does this for witches and warlocks. He promises them power or a sense of false power, false security, false authority. We know all power, security, authority, peace, love, hope, truth, and all that good stuff is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You want to be like Solomon, basically. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him for knowledge. Because, I mean, if you don't have wisdom and knowledge, you're not going to be able to function. Ask God for discernment, Lord. Ask, say, Lord, I need to know how to be a better Christian. I, I need to know how to righteously judge like Solomon needed to know how to judge Israel. Amen. Um, wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you. Verse 12. And I will give you riches. God also gave him wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before you. Neither shall there any after you have the like. You know, when you read your history book, they tell you Mensa, Musa, and other people like this were some of the most wealthiest people in history. That's not true. My Bible says that King Solomon was one of the wealthiest men in history. I don't care whatever name you bring up in modern times. They're not as wealthy as King Solomon. You know how crazy that is? I don't care who you bring up. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was on a trip and the Lord had me pass a sign and it said Alexandria. And it reminded me of Alexander the Great. If you know anything about history, this is a man who conquered a large part of the world. And he had a library in Egypt called uh, the Library of Alexandria. And he collected parchments and, and, and scrolls, which are basically books in that time of all the, the, the knowledge and, and an understanding of, of so-called humanity. That whole library had all this so-called knowledge of the sciences, of philosophy and whatnot, but it does not compare to 
the wealth and riches of the knowledge and wisdom that God gave Solomon, nor even of what's in your Bible. They probably didn't have the Bible in the Library of Alexandria because Greece and Rome were against Christianity, which is no different than the governments of this world today. Let's keep going. It's amazing when you think about that, right? Look at verse 13. Then Solomon came from his journey to the high place that was at Gibeon to Jerusalem from before the tabernacle of the congregation and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, which he placed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Twelve thousand grown men honoring this king, being horsemen. That's a lot of souls. These are souls who lived lives. They're, they had lives. They're, their lives matter. They're not just a sentence in your Bible. These are actual people with actual descendants living today. Think about this. Some of them made it into Abraham's bosom. Some of them, we don't know. When you read the Bible, every single person is an actual person in history. It's not just figurative. It's, it's not figurative. It's not just a story. It's not just to make you understand a, a biblical principle. This is someone's actual life you're reading about. Imagine that. You've heard stories of Romeo and Juliet. What about the story of one of the 12,000 soldiers who decided to follow King Solomon? Imagine this. It was an honor. Look at verse 15. And the king made silver and gold at Jerusalem as plenteous as stones. That's a huge wealth. And cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the valley for abundance. They used wood to build many things. You see, Solomon, the blessing of his life, having this wisdom, having this wealth, and having a peace that his father, David, David didn't have that. David had to fight many wars. David was a bloody man. God told him that he would not build up that temple. But Solomon, with this wealth, with this abundance of gold and silver and these trees, was to build this temple for the Lord. Even with all his knowledge, though, Solomon had many wives and concubines, as you read later on. And he still departed from the living God. That tells you a lot. That tells you that even men who seem to have it all, they are still susceptible to fall from the grace of God. And it's no different from today. The Bible speaks about a great falling away from the faith. There are people who have it all. You have Jesus. He's the ultimate, not only figurative, but literal provider of your riches, wealth, and knowledge and wisdom. Yet people choose to reject him, to follow after uh, not physical concubines or wives outside of their marriage, but they follow and they go whoring after false gods. They, they, they have idolatry in their heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt and linen yarn 
The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price, and they fetched up and brought forth out of Egypt a chariot for six hundred shekels of silver and a horse for a hundred and fifty. And so they brought out the horses for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria by their means. Now, I don't know if that was a good price, but I believe it was a good price. And even if it wasn't, if you see, there's a reason that the Holy Ghost mentions the price of the horses here. If it was an expensive price, it's to show you that Solomon was wealthy. It wasn't a problem. If it was a good price, it's to show you that, you know what? He had favor still, regardless. Just like you, my brother or sister in Christ, you have favor of the Lord. And if you feel like something is out of your means financially or out of your means socially, economically, or ministry or whatever the case may be, you can rest assured in the fact if you're following the ways of the living God, he will provide for you. He will make a way. He's a good God. Now, you got to be like Solomon, though. You got to go to that high place. You got to go to the Holy of Holies. You got to be in communion with the Lord. You have to spend time with him. Not only that, you have to ask things of him, not of man. You know, accursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh. Some trust in uh, horses and chariots, but we will put our trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. I think you get the point. There's so much to learn, to meditate upon, to receive and walk in that we see as an example in this chapter, chapter one of Second Chronicles. Let's pray and let's be more like Jesus Christ, the greater Solomon. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you, Lord. That we, like Solomon, are the son of David, the son of a greater David, which is Jesus Christ. We are manifested sons of God. We thank you, Lord, that we have access to you, where we can cry, Abba, Father, where we can run to your throne of grace boldly in a time of need. We thank you, Lord, that it is you who provides and gives us wisdom and knowledge and, and wealth, whether financially, whether physically, you give us good health. That's a wealth. You give us every form of wealth and you are the ultimate true riches that doesn't corrupt, that men can't steal, that is gathered up for us in glory. Lord, we don't want to store up for ourselves wrath. We want to get crowns and lay it at your feet, Lord. Help us to endure to the end. Keep us from the falling away, Lord. And we want to be like one of those 12,000 horsemen following you on those horses as you're riding in white and you're in the second coming. If we are in glory and if we're still here, Lord, if we ha have to be tribulation saints, because some people might have to be listening to this. I don't know what you're going to choose in your free will. I pray, Lord, that we, we would ultimately be OK. We would be rescued by you. The word of God. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We, ho we Our hope is in you. You are our anchor. And just like Solomon, we, we want you to appear to us, Lord. Help us to make the sacrifice, the reasonable sacrifice of a holy life. May it be pleasing in your sight and may you appear to us and may you help us to follow you and not be deceived and not follow after false gods and not be lured by the temptation of, of a earthly adultery or earthly lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and pride of life. We know even Solomon fell in time. 
We don't want to fall, Lord. We, we learned a lot from his life. Help us to follow you. Help us to be like you. And keep us in you, oh God. Because without you, we can't trust in ourselves. We can't do this on our own. We are not self-made. We are God-made. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. In the holy name, in the reverend name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 Reach out if you have questions. Reach out if you need prayer. We do have uh, local services in the Northeast Indiana area. If you are looking to fellowship, to evangelize, to get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. If you are looking to have deliverance and have demons casted out of you, maybe we can help you. If not, we know other people who can help you. We are just like you. We are all held accountable to the living God. We all have to live holy. You have to live holy, especially in these end times. It's going to get crazy. You need to put your trust in the Lord. Don't take the mark of the beast, whatever it may be. Don't believe a lie. Again, we love you. You are loved. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to repent. If you're not saved and if you are saved, live in repentance. Amen. Shalom.